Welcome to the Move to Value podcast, powered by Chess Health Solutions. The Move to Value podcast is dedicated to helping healthcare providers understand and make the transition into value-based care. We do this through conversations and the sharing of innovative ideas with experts and leaders throughout the healthcare industry. Our mission is to sustainably transform the healthcare experience for the patient, provider, and care team by cultivating a value-oriented, compassionate, and health-aligned community. In this episode, we hear the second half of the conversation between Chess's own Melissa Pollock and Advocate Health's Vice President of Population Health, Megan Reyna, as they discuss navigating the data and quality measures for success in value-based care. So Megan, thank you so much for coming back to the Move to Value podcast. Um, really excited to talk to you a little bit more about population health at Advocate. And curious, we did talk last time about ACO reach. I was just curious a little bit about provider buy-in. How how did you message ACO reach and the model to providers? What did that look like? How were you able to get providers on board with this new innovative model? Thanks for having me back, Melissa. Happy to be here. Yes, so everything that we do within population health in the Midwest really goes through a strong physician governance model, and it is a true partnership with our physicians um, to participate in in our value-based care contracts. So ACO REACH as well, we really educated the practices who we thought would be good participants based on the data that we talked about last time to participate in ACO REACH. Um, would would benefit from this program. And we had conversations with them, um, really educated them on this program and the why and what the wraparound services would look like. And then we continue to have conversations with them um, around what we, where we need to innovate within this model. Um, the medical group as well, because our medical group does participate in both Wisconsin and Illinois, again, Um, in areas of Milwaukee and then the south side of Chicago around what their needs are and really um, what the practices that entire care team is needing um, in order to help patients manage their chronic diseases. And that's a conversation that we, we have with our practices and we continue to look at our data to say, what are we seeing within the data to provide different services as we move forward? It will be a care model that continues to iterate um, as we move along within this program. Um, to make sure that we're successful and patients are getting the needed care that they they need. Did you find it difficult to get providers on board with downside risk? Or I know you mentioned in the last podcast that you guys had been doing capitation for a long time, but I didn't know, was there any pushback that you felt or any kind of hurdles you had to jump over in those conversations with some of the providers, maybe some of the independent ones? So our aligned practices that are participating, we did have um, intentional conversations around capitation for this population. Um, This is a population, we were very intentional with what population we were participating in. And this is a tough population that often is not going in to see the primary care provider. And so you know, I think COVID also um, 
brought a unique opportunity for our physician practices to think differently about capitation and what are um, benefits of capitation. And so really looking at this population and providing an upfront payment um, to those practices, we are in total care um, capitation for ACO reach, um, really provided them an opportunity to think differently. And I think our strong history with value-based care contracts and success that they've been able to see, they were able to view it as a true partnership. And it wasn't a one and done. We meet with these practices on a monthly basis and we are continuing to look at the finances and make sure that our model makes sense and that they're successful. Because if they're not successful within the model, then the model isn't successful for us. And so they really need to be able to provide the needed services and and say something's working or not working um, for the success of, of our entire par- participation. So you, you guys are really providing data to those providers on a monthly basis of performance, I would guess, and metrics. Is that performance, right? Performance, metrics, financial data, and and what they're seeing. For the patients as well. So it's a two-way conversation. Is it? It isn't just us going to them to provide information, but really what they're seeing and feeling with their patients, and what's the information that they need to provide us that's working or not working. And so, you know, it, it, is the the model of care working? Are they feeling like patients are getting the needed services? Are patients not coming in for a certain reason that they need? Um, the support from us to be able to provide a new service or, you know, are they financially viable within this model or is this something that they need us to relook at within our our financial um, our financial model and and really making sure that they're successful as well. Yeah, that I think that makes so much sense. And, you know, I being in this space for a while, as you guys have been, I think one of the challenges is every iteration of contracts has their own metrics and their own quality measures that they want to be measured against. And usually from a provider perspective, we hear, I don't want to look at the insurer when I'm treating a patient. I want to treat the patient that's in front of me. Um, So are there ways that Advocate has really approached these you know, disparate quality metrics that are across multiple MA contracts, Medicare contracts to try to help focus providers in? Yes. So this is a great point. And taking quality in particular, we every year put this massive spreadsheet together that says what are the different quality metrics across all of our value-based care contracts. And we were in value-based care not just for Medicare, so not just 65 and plus, but also with pediatrics, which I think grows that that list um, beyond just, you know, the adult metrics as well. And I think last year it was like 74, 78 different quality measures. And that's too much for a primary care, even the specialist physician to participate in value-based care. It's just too much of, and you know, what's the different metric here versus here and the reason why. Um, So what we do is we narrow that scope um, to, and we look at primary care and then we look at specialty care as well. And we narrow that scope and primary care, because we include pediatrics, is about 20 quality measures. 
And it's really the intention of what are those measures within the value-based care contracts that we're trying to get at? And what measure is measured in every value-based care contract, which it's it's A1C control. And so we need to make sure that one's on there. But when you get into A1C control, you can get into, is it greater than nine, less than nine, less than eight, right? <laughs> what does control really mean? And so what, what we do is we go through our physician governance um, that I spoke about earlier and really getting the buy-in of the physicians as to what measures um, matter to them when they're actually seeing patients. And then we we tailor those measures. So we use national national measures, tailor them um, to to those twenty, and then measure across. And we try to measure across all of our value based care contracts. Our medical group looks at all patients, all payers, um, to make sure that it's really about the processes and how we're providing the care versus one particular measure within a value based care contract. Now we do have a quality team that also supports that measure development and, and really that measure of performance. And that quality team might focus centrally on a specific population or a specific measure that might be different than how we're measuring it um, within our, our how we're holding our physicians accountable. Um, but that's then on the quality team versus on the practicing physician. Gotcha. So it's a little bit different what's seen at the provider level as opposed to what we're having to report back to payers, which that completely makes sense. I have a kind of off the cuff question. I know CMS a couple of months ago put out this blog about, I think it was like the universal quality metric set that they wanted to come up with or to propose. Um, I'm probably calling it the incorrect thing, but I didn't know what, what were your thoughts about that? If CMS imposing kind of a, a universal set of measures across not just Medicare, but MA and, and down, down the line. Very happy CMS is thinking about this because nationally, this is what we've been asking them to do. Um, I think they need to focus. I think it's a good start. I'll put it that way. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I think all of the measures are perfect, but I think it's a really good start as to how they're thinking about this. And, you know, I, I, um, I'm happy that they're looking at MSSP and MA and they're looking at pediatric measures as well. So that means Medicaid, right? And they're looking at what are all the different types of value-based care contracts. Um, it's got to start with CMS and then the other payers hopefully will follow suit after CMS does it. So it's a, it's a really good start. Agreed. Yeah. I think them setting the trend and kind of setting that benchmark and then letting it trickle down I think it's historically what we see happen anyway. So I uh, agree with you on that. For providers that are just starting out in value-based care or are just coming out of medical school and may not know anything about value-based care, just curious your thoughts on, you know, what's the best way to deliver the best outcomes for their patients? Is there any education work that Advocate does about value-based care for providers? So value-based care is a team sport, and 
it re- the the education really revolves around what does that team look like and what is needed to be successful in value-based care. And I think one of the strong things that Advocate Health, and ex- particularly in the Midwest, just because that's my history, is what do we need to do and how do we need to iterate that team to help physicians be successful within value-based care? For someone who's new, just starting out, it's really taking that first step forward and that you can't solve everything. And if you look at the data within value-based care, it can be overwhelming because it's what's the first thing that I need to tackle. And really, it's just taking that first step forward to focus, choose something (laughs) to move forward within the data that there's an opportunity and just continuing to take that step forward. We've been doing this for a long time, but every year we need to continue to focus, look at the data, where do we have opportunity and take that step forward. And I'm continually surprised at the end of the year, what we've accomplished within a year. But then when you look at the data, there's more that we still need to do. And that that I think that's the important thing is that you just have to take that step forward within value and continuing to move forward to be successful. And you're always going to have something else, but it's really that team and how you bring, how you bring that team together to innovate and continue to move forward. Yeah. I I think you said this in your last podcast that, you know, data underlies everything being done at population health level. And that, I think that's just so important for any, any health system or any independent practice moving into value-based care because, you know, you don't want to just throw spaghetti at the wall and hope something, you know, what's going to stick? What can we do? You know, you really want to be intentional about, you know, the kind of interventions that you deploy for your patients. And so that's so important to measure, look at it, let's affect that care and then go back and let's measure it again, see where we're at. Absolutely. And, you know, I've talked to other colleagues across the country who say, well, we can't do this because of X number of reasons, right? Well, then that's fine. There's another area of opportunity that you can improve upon. Yeah. We we started a lot of our journey within post-acute and, and reducing our post-acute expense because that was something we could get the entire system, the entire local area, you know, to rally behind, right? And so you've just got to figure out what is that first thing you need to focus on and then take that step forward and keep going because you're going to have opportunity around the next corner to to succeed. That's great. So as far as your personal role at Advocate, what do you feel like inspires you on a day-to-day basis to keep doing the great work that population health is doing? So I'm a nurse by training, and what's really important to me is the impact that we're making on patients. And so it's always really important to me to talk about what are the care gaps and who's that patient story behind it and how are we helping to really make sure that we're moving the dial for our patients. Um, So it's those patient stories. It's making sure that, you know, when I wake up in the morning, that it's it's not just about making money or, or making sure that, you know, this this person's happy here. It's really about the patient. And that's what gets me up in the morning. And, um, you know, I feel like 
now working within Pop Health that I'm actually making greater good than I was one patient at a time at the bedside. And so um, that's that's what motivates me and and keeps me moving forward. I think that's a powerful statement that you think at it, you you feel a little bit more of a sense of doing good than you did at the bedside. That's that's super powerful. Um, I, I agree with you on on all those account. I'm not a nurse by training, but um, but I really I think it comes down to those patient stories. And even one patient story is worth it. To, when we hear those in our meetings, we have our you know you guys I'm sure do this something similar where you have someone bring forward a patient story of how healthcare, how care has been affected and how it's affected this one person. And when you get to that, that individual personal level, I think it takes on a whole new meaning. So yes, absolutely. It's chilling. You know, you're, you know, you're doing the right thing. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So as far as the future, what do you feel like is the focus for, for the, your population health team kind of in the next five years looking forward? Great question. So really looking at how we optimize our chronic disease management across the continuum. So one of the things we're we're really working on now is renal care. So, you know, and there's a lot of focus with different um, healthcare disruptors on the end stage of renal care. And that's absolutely important. There's lots of focus and, you know, lots of disrupting to do in that. Um, But one of the benefits, I think, with advocate health and really having that cross continuum look at value-based care is looking at within primary care, how primary care can help impact um, renal disease and really making sure that we have early identification and that we have good handoffs and that nephrology has good handoffs back to primary care and that we're getting patients early transplants. And a lot of that starts within primary care and what are the services that we can provide for that patient across the continuum. So that's one disease state, right? We've got to look at multiple. And so how do we provide that, that optimal chronic disease care across the continuum? And then I think nationally as well is how, how do specialists help support value-based care? And really getting deep on value-based care with specialists, not just primary care. We've done a lot at the national level with Medicare shared savings, and it's often viewed as as a primary care model. And it's it's a platform to have value-based care across that continuum. Um, And then I would also just say, looking at that spectrum, um, I, I usually say from birth to death, um, but someone said it actually should be from conception to to death and and really looking at, um, you know, the the care that we're providing mothers who are are pregnant and and helping set that that baby and that person up for success um, for for the rest of their life and really making sure that we're providing the the needed services so that they can, they can live a, a healthy life and, and manage whatever comes their way. Great. Well, Megan, I really appreciate you joining us. I think it's such a great conversation. Um, so once again, thank you. And I'm excited to hear in the coming years, all the great work that Advocate Health is doing. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Melissa, for having me. 
Thanks for listening to the Move to Value podcast, powered by Chess Health Solutions, where our mission is to sustainably transform the healthcare experience for the patient, provider, and care team. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. As always, you can head over to movetovaluepodcast.com to sign up for the email list, as well as check out all the resources in the show notes. If you are interested in continuing to hear about value-based care and how it impacts you, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Also, we would love it if you would share the Move to Value podcast across social media and leave a rating and review. See you next time.